What's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Live Life Wrestling Podcast. Sincere Hogan, Mike Mahler. What's going on, man? I'm doing good besides all the technical difficulties we've had here with Skype. I mean, we should we should already be done with this episode. <laughs> you know? We're just getting started. We'll be working on we... our third guest by now. <laughs> oh my god. I won't even won't even go into that, but we should definitely do a show down the road about doing a podcast and all the dipshittery you have to deal with exactly. when you're trying to get stuff going, technical just problems. Everyone thinks it's so freaking easy with all the suggestions yeah. every week. <laughs> yeah, just so people don't get so frustrated because yeah. I can just imagine someone doing their first episode and they're having all the problems we've had today. They're probably ready to throw their computer oh, across exactly. the room. You know? <laughs> okay, we have a great guest on today. I was on his podcast a couple of weeks ago. He's a strength coach, physio expert. We're going to talk about how to address injuries and then how to continue making progress when you have injuries, how to work around injuries. So all the way from the UK, we've got Christopher Lendrum. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing really well, Mike. And uh, firstly, I just want to say a big thanks to you and Sincere for having me on the show. I think it's an awesome, awesome podcast, and I've listened to to it from for a long time now, 100 episodes in. So yeah, no, I want to thank you for for having me on. Oh, pleasure, awesome, man. man. Appreciate I agree it. with I agree with you. It is an awesome podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if I were, if I were you, I would be honored to be on the show too. So I'm, glad, I'm glad you appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> now we're I'll all on the same much. page. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great having you too. Because what's funny is some of us are injured right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this this <laughs> is the topic. This is this is the timely topic. Let's let's dive right into this thing. Let's talk about what are what are some of the common injuries that you deal with, and then how do you advise people to work with those how work around them um so i think uh, i mean my clinical work i do is in a gym so my my clinic is right in a gym basically and um i've worked in a gym for or gyms for the last eight ten years now and i think you see the the same things over and over again obviously you see a, low, a lot of lower back issues um you see a lot of shoulder issues um and i think you see a lot of knee issues as well and i think um, especially for guys that lift, you you do see a lot of. Uh, I think shoulders probably the one of the biggest ones that I see, and I think that's for a, a variety of factors. But there's some real common ones that come up. So I think you know we live in a society now where most people spend you know nine to twelve hours if you're in a stressful job sitting at a desk at a computer doing no uh, no kind of movement, and you're in that really pretty much shocking posture when you're sitting. Yeah. Um, you get tight through the hips, you get tight through your thoracic spine. So you're, you're essentially um, limiting, especially with the shoulders in, in terms of that thoracic spine, you're limiting that mobility of the shoulders and that will lead a lot of the uh, shoulders to get certain injuries. Um, a lot of people talk about impingement of the shoulder, which happens really, really commonly. Um, and I think that um, that's one of the biggest ones I see. Um, for people that lift is that they've just got really shocking uh, shoulder mobility and it means that um, their rotator cuff or other structures around the shoulder get overloaded um, and other things around the shoulder are being underutilized so your posterior cuff of your shoulder um, a lot of your rotator cuff you know you have guys that that can kind of that can press a, a really pretty impressive weight but you get them doing really simple um, rotator cuff type exercises and they're you know they're screaming are like we talking baby. about bench pressing more than anything yeah, else yeah, too much and, too much bench and, pressing not enough yeah, pulling definitely i think and, and that's one of the biggest things you see uh, in fact i've seen seeing a patient today who um the, the balance of people's programs is just awful because they do they basically <laughs> want to do things that they can see in the mirror so they do bench press they do bicep curls they do um, and i think the other thing that often people don't realize is that um people say oh i, I do do my back i do chin-ups but actually <laughs> 
if you do bench press and chin-ups, obviously your, your pecs are an internal rotator of the shoulder, so they pull right. your shoulders forward. Right. And obviously lats is an internal rotator as well. So really you want to be hitting your, your bent-over rows, your seated rows, things where you're really going to get that scapular retraction. Right. And really thinking about as well the position that shoulder, your shoulders are in. So when you are doing um, exercises that you're trying to uh, activate those muscles of your back, doing it with a, with a really good position uh, position because again a lot, a lot of times i'll see people doing rowing type exercises but they've still got that uh, anterior translation of their shoulders so their shoulders are still rolled forwards even though they're doing a back exercise and that's never going to hit those muscles optimally and it's going to mean that you're thinking that you're doing um the right thing in terms of balance but you might not be because you're not getting into right. that correct very position. very few people do barbell bent over row correctly for example in fact i've never seen someone in a gym besides myself <laughs> you know do do that exercise correctly most people are doing a lot of heaving most Yanking. people don't they don't do they don't do a proper setup they don't stay in the pocket with the bar trajectory so it's all over the place, and it's yeah. it's it, I think bent over rows or any kind of similar movement are exercises that no one gets excited about either. No, so mm. they tend to be relegated to maybe the last two minutes of a workout. You just throw it in real quick for balance. Yeah. But some some yeah. say you should have a one to one ratio between your strength curve between bench press and bent over row. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think yeah, I would. Um, I think, but no one has that, right? I mean, no. how many guys think, can bench press five hundred pounds and then do bent over rows with five hundred pounds? Usually, yeah. it's not even close. Yeah, and I think um, I think when you get to a quite a, a kind of elite level, or when you get to really really strong guys, I don't necessarily think you have to be one to one. But I think right. you, you know, if you're if you're um, bench pressing a lot, you should be able to bend over row a lot, you know, comparatively to to most other people. So. I think that I think the bent over row is, and it's a really interesting one. Is that a lot of it's ego because people want to lift a really heavy weight, and so they don't want to get into a really correct position because when you get into a correct position with bent over row, it's hard. It's hard to keep a, a really good alignment <laughs> right. of the spine, and it's hard to to lift a heavy weight in that position. You know, so I think that's the biggest reason why people don't set up right because they just they can't because they want to lift a, a huge or a heavy weight, and I think egos obviously that's a, a big factor in the gym as well. You know, people want to lift, uh, you know, really big weight. And then, so they, they sacrifice on form and they sacrifice and that, and that sacrifice in form is one of the, I think one of the biggest, um, factors really for people getting injured in the gym. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, think I was about that, to throw um, that form part in there as well, because a lot of times yeah, she's been over row, especially with barbells, it's, they'll pull the barbell up toward their chest and they kind of yank, you know, they'll sit there and hunch their shoulders up as if they're saying, I don't know while they're doing that. So that already, <laughs> start, that pretty much already starts just this big snowball effect of, of just, just bad technique, injuries, and just all of a sudden they have to start yanking and pulling on the bar just to overcompensate for the fact that Honestly, you can't pull a heavy weight or any kind of weight correctly when you're sitting there. You're hunching your shoulders, and, and you're sitting, and, you, and you're just sitting like you look like Lurch bent over with a hemorrhoid infection going on or something like that, man. So that, that's one of the biggest issues. I always see like you know, bring that bar down a little bit lower, and it just they don't get it, or and start by pulling the elbows back. They still don't they don't understand that. They just think like I just have to yank this thing off the ground, and yeah. <laughs> can't treat it like a deadlift. You know, they call, they call that a bent over row shrug, I reckon. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a great exercise. As impossible as that sounds, it's funny, <laughs> yeah. but people make that possible. 
Okay. I, don't, I don't know why people make the bend over row an ego movement anyway. Who cares right. what you exactly. can bend over row? You know, it's not a, it's hey, not a competitive lift. It's not something <laughs> anyone's ever going to ask you in your hey, life. Man, how much, how you much you can row, bend Mike? over row? Yeah. <laughs> no one, no one's ever going to ask you that question. So if there, if there was ever an exercise to make sure your technique is flawless, and who cares what the weight is on the bar? It's that exercise. You know, yeah, definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. What about what about other rowing motions like the dumbbell renegade row or kettlebell renegade row? Would you put those in the same category as in terms of benefits? Yeah, I think um, the the great thing about those sorts of exercises is that you get a lot of um, core activation as well. So um, renegade rows and things, I think you know, for late stage. So I use exercises that actually for people. So late stage back rehabilitation, so lower back pain. Um, late stage, obviously, you might not do it necessarily straight away, but once you get someone strong, it's that kind of um, that anti-rotation effect of of lifting um, in that position of the renegade row that um, gives you really good benefits from a core perspective. Um, and I think that um, you can work on the uh, not only the anti-rotation but also the anti anti-extension as well. So <clears throat> I think that's a huge thing with lower backs is when you're in that renegade row position, not allowing that, that lumbar spine, that lower back to, to arch too much. A lot of people will do that and you'll see them in that position. And that's just because their abdominals or your stomach muscles can't control that, that extension um, of the back. And, and that's a big, big um, one in, in terms of pain um, if you can't control that. So again, similar thing with that is when if you're doing overhead presses, if you can't control that extension, you're going to end up most of the time, especially if your shoulders are tight, you're going to lean back a little bit to um, because that means that you can actually press overhead with with better form if your if your shoulders are tight. But that and, it, and then if you've got an, an issue with your lower back in terms of you you you're poor at controlling that extension, you're going to just load those um, joints at the lower spine loads. So actually improving that shoulder mobility along with uh, anti-extension exercises like the renegade row and and like various others um, can really help with lower back pain um, and also with overhead lifting as well. Now with overhead lifting, it seems that everyone's going to start leaning back at some point, right? If the yes, weight gets exactly. heavy enough. So yeah. is that is that something that's really unavoidable or is that a sign that someone's technique is not as optimal as it should be? Again, I think it depends. So you, in that situation, I'd be looking at the person saying, okay, well, how much have they got on the bar for a start? Um, but also then potentially looking at their um, shoulder range of motion. So if someone's got good shoulder range of motion and there's no reason why they should be leaning back, but they've got a huge weight on the bar, then it may just be that they're at their one rep max, three rep max, really, really pushing hard at the end of a set. And I think a little bit of that is fine. If someone is is leaning back because their shoulders are, are not mobile um, and it's not really a weight that you'd expect someone to be hugely struggling with, then I think that is a problem. So I think it, it is right. it's obviously relative to to the individual situation, but I think that you are going to get some um, you are going to get some leaning back when you lift a, a heavy load. So I think that that is that is a little bit unavoidable. Well, I mean, if you look at the way Olympic weightlifters used to yeah. overhead press, right, they would yeah. really push their hips forward and rotate yeah. their pelvis. So basically yeah. now you're in a position that's similar to a high incline press. Yeah. So you're naturally going to press out a little bit in front of you and then drive it overhead, but similar to opening up a window and sticking your head out. It's the analogy yeah. Mark Phillippe, one of my coaches, always used. Now, the bar ends up over your center of mass, so it's safely locked out, but it tends to look as if you're doing a high incline press when you get the range going. Yeah. Now, is that acceptable technique in your opinion, or would that yeah. be a more advanced technique? 
And I think um, when, you, when you're doing that, so a lot of people um, who are lower level, what I'll say to them is just squeeze your glutes as hard as you can as you, as you kind of drive the bar up. Right. Because um, what that will tend to do is that even though you're leaning back a bit, if you really squeeze the glutes, you get that bit of a posterior tilt of your pelvis. And so what happens with that is that you don't you don't have as much loading through your uh, lower lumbar spine. Okay. And um, so I think that y- you can still you can still arch higher up the spine and not necessarily be arching lower down in the spine. So you can, you know, again, and that's why thoracic extension is really important in that situation, because if you've got good thoracic extension um, and a lot of people will, you know, some people will um, say that you should have some, like if you're bench pressing, for example, or powerlifters will, you know, have their glutes on the bench, but then they'll have quite a big, a lot of them. Arch, yeah, right. yeah, arch, because they, want to reduce the range of motion so they can right. use more weight, basically so again i think it, that, again these sorts of things come down to what what is your what are your goals what are your purpose you know what's the purpose of the lift but i think that that it is acceptable but i think that you can get that extension through um through the whole spine so again if someone's only getting it through their lump their lower lumbar then that's going to be an issue i think you can get it through the whole spine and also you can again by locking in that pelvis by squeezing the glutes and getting that pelvis in a good position you can get more a little bit more extension through higher up through the thoracic and not necessarily be loading as much through the lumbar so i think you can do it but you just have to make sure you've got good mobility uh, of the hips and that's the other thing if you've got if you've got good hip mobility into extension then it means that you're going to be able to do that much more safely if you're really tight through your hip flexors again then when you try and push your hips forwards you're not going to get that from your hips if you've got really tight hip flexors which means you can't fully extend your hip you're going to get it through your lumbar spine and that's where that starts to come in so i think for a lot of a lot of guys out there if they're if they're they're having aches and pains one of the things i would say to someone straight away is get yourself assessed you know gets go and see someone who knows what they're talking about who knows how to look at how you move functionally who can look at you press who can look at you row who can look at you do these things not just you know from you know physiotherapy or physical therapy point of view of looking at all these small movements but looking at you doing the big strength movements and can then look at other things and say okay these are the these are the issues and and these are the things we need to work on now chris like on the on the flip side of that i know we're talking about a lot of times athletes who pretty much they're very tight they sit down most of the day and then they come in they lift heavy and they're pretty mm-hmm. tight in the shoulders and they're tight in the hips but then on the flip side of that you have these more endurance sport athletes like kettlebell sport athletes who are listening right now who pretty much they are really almost every movement they do is involving a lot of movement with the thoracic spine and but the thing about it is over and over and again it's like five ten minutes set straight so they tend to have Mm -hmm. they tend to have an opposite issue going on where they have overuse going on like myself included where you know Mm -hmm. earlier this year you know i went to my my chiropractor and i come to realize you know this i had this stabbing pain going on man where it just felt like anytime i would just even move my back or move my upper body feel like somebody was just sticking a sword in me i always felt like i was just an extra on spartacus every time i even made a movement man it's like someone just going <laughs> right through me so you know but then to come to find out i ended up having um intercostal um joint dis- dysfunction and mm-hmm. you know that and then i started really thinking about it especially as in the past year just, as i started getting stronger you know, I started, you know, doing heavier snatches and things of that matter or whatever. So I just realized that I didn't I no longer have my recovery matching my training. 
So I couldn't yeah. keep continue to use the same type of recovery methods or time of recovery to, to work on that. So what do you say to someone who's like, let's say you got a lot of these guys that are snatching and ladies too now, you know, in kettlebell sport where they're snatching 28 kilos, 24 kilos and, and mm. on up 36 kilos and they go on and on for like 10 minutes and they're doing these at least three or four times a week. What do you say to someone like that that pretty much they have good thoracic spine mobility? But they continue mm-hmm. to have this overuse going on from. So now they're actually working more of the muscles they can't see, probably more than the muscles they can see. So, like I said, they have that opposite yeah. effect. What do you say to them as far as recovery and treatment during that type of training? I think, um, yeah, it's a, re- it's a really good point with uh, especially uh, you know, volume of training, I think, is a, a really important factor to look at. And, um, you know, I think we know that. Um, some people's bodies deal better with volume than others. Um, and I think that, you know, repetitive and often people will get repetitive injuries and, and but they'll get them in different places. And that mm-hmm. to me suggests that, um, that, that again, that biomechanically everyone is different and people compensate for certain things in certain ways. Um, and so it's, I would be, I always would be looking at the person as a whole and to say, okay, you know, are there any, you know, they may have great thoracic mobility, but is it that they're, um, have, they have imbalances or, um, tightness somewhere else that may be linking to their problem. And, but I think in the restoration is, is a big thing that you mentioned there. And it's, it's, it's huge. Like, so I think that, um, obviously you want to be thinking as well about your nutrition. You want to be thinking about your, um, your rest- restoration. So things like stress, sleep, I think all those things are a key um, and looking at your lifestyle. And I think ultimately it is a bit brutal sometimes, but you have to look at your life and say, am I, you know, in a, in a position where I, I can be doing this much volume? Right. Um, is it just going to break me down? You know, like I've, I've got um, my first, uh, my first kid on the way in a couple of months time. And I know that I'm going to have less sleep for the next six months, at least probably for, yeah, a long time. So I, I know that my training may have to be slightly adapted. Um, I've had injuries in the past and I know that I have to go in and do a really good shoulder um, mobility uh, or the mobility drills before I start doing my lifting because I know that, that I'm going to potentially break down there if I don't. So I think that you have to be looking at the rest of your life and saying, okay, what can we, what can we do in order to optimize those things so that, you know, the repetitiveness um, is going to be as limited as an effect as possible. And then also look at just biomechanics as a whole and say, are there any things that are in, uh, in the chain that are not working as well as they should, that I can work on as well as my kettlebell lifting in order to, um, in order to lessen my injuries and things. So that's where I think that supplementary lifts, um, along with like rehab exercises really come into play because I think that, you know, it's, um, you know, that a lot of rehab exercises are boring, which is why people don't really do them. But I think if you can do them alongside what you're doing, that's really good. So I'll often program them into strength sets. So I'll look at someone, um, and say, okay, so for, for example, in these kettlebell sports, um, and again, I, I'm not uh, as uh, familiar obviously with you as the, the new guys are, cause it's not my area of specialty, but, I think that I would be looking and saying, okay, are there things, you know, what things do we need to do as a warm up that, that you specifically need to do for your body in terms of making it so that you're, um, you're not overloading certain structures and then looking at around your training. So looking at what, you know, making sure you're getting optimal nutrition. Um, I know Mike's talked about it before, optimal quality of that food. So, you know, making sure that it's, you know, organic, you know, 
okay you pay a bit more money but it's you're getting more out of it so i think those things are key stress management is key um and and all those other things i think are really important in terms of trying to reduce that down um i think if you've had injuries before the, i mean the biggest uh, predictor of injury is previous injury so if you've had injuries before then you you, you should know that these are things that you need to think about right. um and you know the la- the worst thing in the world is being injured everyone hates it like mm-hmm. if you get injured you're out for six weeks in terms of certain lifts i think we might come on to this later but you can work around these things but um you're you might be out for certain lifts for for a while and so you know to just put in a bit of effort before that I think is you know it's a no-brainer really. Yeah, true. Well, let's so. let's get into that. Let's talk about what to do when you are injured. So let's go mm-hmm. over. Just give us some examples of injuries that you have seen and in, in the advice you gave to those individuals. Yeah. So again, um, if we're talking about maybe some um, kettlebell sports, so again, if someone was to have a, a shoulder injury, so maybe you've got um, you know a repetitive um, from repetitive overhead lifting. Um, I would say, so say it's got a right shoulder injury, let's say, for example, um, I'd say initially I'd be looking at, okay, all the things I've mentioned before. So, you know, why, why did that come on? What things can we do about it? But then I'd have a, a set of rehab exercises for that specific shoulder. But then I might say to them, well, you know, left arm, if that's feeling fine, let's get you doing some stuff with the left arm. Um, let's get you doing some stuff with legs. You know, there's no reason why you can't train legs. No reason why you can't modify um, squats, um, holding um, a dumbbell in one hand. There's no reason why you can't do split squats holding holding a dumbbell. Again, a lot of people will find with shoulder injuries, for example, that they can't lift overhead, but actually just by, by your side, um, holding a dumbbell will be absolutely fine. So I don't see any reason at all why you can't do split squats, why you can't do other other exercises. Let's uh, let's mm. go over more invasive injuries, such as lower mm-hmm. back. Let's say your lower back is jacked. So, I mean, just standing up, Putting any you know, pressure lying down. is painful. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. just that someone who has a back injury. I mean, their, their back's in pain all the time. So yeah, it's, so it's, go ahead. Go so ahead, back, go ahead. Yeah, but so back pain is a really interesting one, and I think that um, uh, um, a lot of the a lot of the studies and a lot of the science these days is coming out that's saying that um, that pathology, so in so tissue damage and pain are very unrelated. So. Um, they have done studies now where they've taken a uh, hundred people off the street, um, and more, well, and more than that with a lot of these studies, um, and MRI their lower back and, um, in about six, and, and these are people that have had no pain previously and are in no pain at the present time. And 60% of a lot of those studies or 60% of people in a lot of those studies will show, uh, some form of disc prolapse, disc injury. Um, to where you like people would call a slip disc, which isn't really the term that, you know, but that's what people call it, and they'll show that on MRI with no pain and no injury. So I think um, the first thing is that the, pe- the back should move. That backs are, are, you know, the last thing you you want to do is is do nothing. Um, so definitely, I would be uh, again looking at that individual, thinking, okay, what can they do um, that doesn't cause irritation to that problem so again for everyone every individual is going to be slightly different um, and you're going to have to look at different movement patterns to see what they can and can't do Um, you generally find with different conditions that there are um, specific movements that are are worse and ones that are better Um, but again a lot of it is about the nervous system and trying to um, desensitize the nervous system to movement um, and and kind of Again, by encouraging movement that's pain-free, what you're doing is you're is you're actually desensitizing the nervous system and 
loading the the structures around the back and making those that the um the nervous system realize that it it can move and, and there's not a problem obviously you do have situations where people have uh, injuries that relate to an mri scan and you can say yeah the, these symptoms are because of that but a lot just, of sim- just give us an example of someone who had a, a specific back pain that you worked with and then what you had them do so uh so disc disc prolapse so i have had disc prolapses which we've had kind of like pain so people will often get pain down the legs like sciatica type symptoms right um so straight away with those sorts of people i would say that i'd want them um so usually um doing kind of prone cobras for or for initially for those sorts of people disc type issues is easier because usually bending forwards is worse so usually if you have disc issues bending forwards is is more painful and when actually extending backwards is less painful so you'd get them initially doing those just extensions backwards just to within their range of movement so just as far as they feel they can go Um, and then i would be working on all the the muscular spasms around that so using lots of things like lacrosse balls and tennis balls to get in there and do some self-release techniques around their um, around their back so getting into the glutes if they've got some spasm in the glutes then I'd get them to work on that um, with the lacrosse ball um, getting into the hip flexors as well with the lacrosse ball as can again can unlock things um, and then you're going to start getting them um, moving so then it would just be a case of, of literally things like bridges so again getting the glutes actually working once you've again loosened any spasm through there then just things like simple bridges um, you can start then if they can do that and that's pretty pain-free, start to actually load that. So I don't mind getting them loading with the bridging uh, pretty early on um, because it's not a particularly um, hard movement from the if you do it from the floor, uh, but it does get the, the glutes working quite well. Um, and then doing things like um, literally just doing, so sit to stand, so getting sit to stand in a really good position, which is essentially a squat. So if you think about sitting up from a chair, Sure. If, you, if you get up from a chair, it's a squat. So getting them to sit down in the chair, stand up, and actually do, just doing that, simple things like that are actually going um, yeah, for some, to... For some people, it's an immense struggle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's a, a workout in itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you fly anywhere. You don't see squat technique. You see people doing yeah, – I, I don't know technique. what they're doing. They, they shift to the left, shift to the right. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's like they're dancing at a wedding reception or something. Like, what are you doing, the Harlem Shuffle? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> they, do a, they do the flop to sit down. Exactly. And then oh, yeah. They get up. I mean, they're rocking back and forth. They're they're doing a ballistic thrust or something <laughs> something that they try. To get yeah, it's amazing what you see. It's ridiculous. Some yeah, some it is. It is. Yeah. It's got to scary actually. When you have that, you know, people don't realize the the quality of life how de- how much it'll decline when you have certain mobility issues. Yeah. And when you when you have a mobility issue where something as simple as sitting in a chair and getting out is now difficult. I mean, imagine the rest of your life. Exactly. Yeah. It's not going to be a pretty picture. So these are, these are the kind of things you have to take care of when you're younger because you don't want to be that older guy who can't get out of a chair. <laughs> you, know, you, want, you, want to, you want to be able to maintain a certain quality of life. You, you might not be deadlifting 500 pounds for the rest of your life or bench pressing 300, but you want to be able to do things such as get off the floor, go for a sit hike. on your ass yeah. on the floor and yeah. get up without using your hands. And you know, right, right now, just saying that right now, some people kind of go in, when they visualize themselves doing it, they're like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> and that's sad. That's sad because yeah. now you've been reduced to where a six-month-year-old child is right now because they can't do that either. But guess what? Yeah. In about another month or two, they will be able to do it 
But can you say that in the next month or two? You know, that's what's scary. Yeah. Okay, so that's the progression right there. That we just tend to forget that. Simple things like just yeah. sitting on your ass on the floor and then getting up without having to use your hands. And like that can be very daunting to a lot of people. And then, well, guess what? Start using that as part of your recovery and rehab routine. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't sound sexy because you're thinking like, well, man, I'm not a six-month-year-old, but hell, you don't move like one either. <laughs> so yeah. you start adding that. Yeah, it's amazing. People are kind of laughing when they hear something as basic as what you guys are just talking about there. But like Sincere said, try lying on the floor and getting up without using your hands at all. A lot of people Mm -hmm. would be shocked. People that that think they're actually pretty fit, pretty strong, they're going to be shocked when they go, wow, I can't do it. And that's just sitting. I didn't say say the part about lying down. I lie down flat on your back on the floor and then get up. Yeah, we, we, we do uh, we do rolling patterns with some people as yeah. well. And you'd be amazed um the, the level of fitness of some people who who can't literally do these rolling patterns, which is basically lying on the floor with your um with one elbow on the opposite knee mm-hmm. um and the other leg straight and the other arm straight. So you're lying on your back, it's kinda of like a dead bug type position if yeah. you know that. And then you your knee to elbow and just getting them to roll from one side to the other doing that, you'd be amazed how many people are <laughs> pathetic doing that. And you watch them, you're like, What are you wow. doing? So <laughs> but honestly, it's it's amazing. And I think no, the biggest thing people lose, uh, the biggest thing people lose as they get older is strength and flexibility. So, you know, for me, that's that's what people need to work on. I'm a big believer in strength training and I'm a big believer in mobility training. And I think if you can combine those two things, you're, you're not going to go far wrong, really, because most people I see. So, for example, you know, you see lots of runners or c- people that love their cardiovascular stuff who do no strength training. And that's probably the biggest reason they're getting pain and injuries, because right. they are weak and they don't move very well. And then you get the people who do loads of strength training who do no flexibility training. So, and and that's again a lot, a lot of the times that's a big big common factor. So I think that um, it's it's the combination of those two things that anyone that's listening, if you you can combine a good a good uh, program of strength training with the mobility training, I think you're not going to go far wrong. I think the problem is, and probably some people are getting discouraged already listening, is they're <laughs> going, man, I, I just. I'm getting in my three workouts per week. I thought I was doing good. Now these guys are telling me I've got to start working on my mobility, my flexibility. You know, where am I supposed to fit all this stuff in? Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you What do you do with people when they're when they're when you're giving them these routines and this advice? Yeah. And it's all good stuff, but you realize they're not going to incorporate this. They're going to look yeah, at this so, piece of paper and and that's it. Absolutely. And the the biggest thing I deal with all the time is, um, you know. a lot of these things aren't sexy so people you know people don't want to do it they want to do it (laughs) and i think that um you know that's why there's no routine ever created on how to get your bent over how to add 50 pounds to your bent over (laughs) row i mean try googling that it's like okay we're gonna do a bent over row focus routine where that's all you do for the workout (laughs) any any other exercise you could have like a one exercise workout overhead press deadlift squat people will be like okay i can get down with that but you're never gonna see that for a bent over row yeah i think you just have to uh, crowbar it into their training so that's what i generally tend to do is right. is say pick pick the most important things so everyone will have an area that is the is the most important because that's the either the tightest or the weakest or you know whatever it might be so just pick a good exercise for that and say you know right you're going to do your um so for example hip if if it's hip mobility you know if they're having problems with this you know they're squatting typical person who who squats and their back comes forwards because they can't open up their hips properly and get down deep into that squat position um what i would say to them is every time you're doing your upper body stuff when you're resting 
rather than resting, just do this stretch. Just do this stretch while you're resting and just try and make it and crowbar these exercises into their routine in a way where they don't have to think about it and they don't have to do, do it as a separate thing. And I'll also often will get them to do the war, like a little warm-up mobility circuit at the start. Um, because, again, if you do uh, mobility-type uh, drills um, correctly, and if you do it w in the right way, you can actually get your heart rate up. You know, A lot of people will go into the gym and they'll do a 10-minute run uh, or a, or a five-minute row or something before they go into their lifting. Well, right. why don't you just do five-minute mobility routine, incorporating some of these specific things, sure. and you you know your heart rate can just be just as high, and you're you're prepped and ready to go. You know, and I think right. that it's it's just programming in a sensible way that that um, that that does save time and is efficient and it can be done. Yeah, what's the point of doing a ten-minute like warm-up run when your hips yeah. as tight as all get out? How many, do, <laughs> how many people do you see on the rower for five minutes? And, and then like, where are you going? Man? Like, what are you doing? What are they doing? They're, you know, it's um, it, yeah, it, it does. I mean, they're doing it, and 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 hats off to them really because they're doing it to warm up. They're doing it to warm up the joints, and, and fair enough because I think you know it's better than better than doing nothing, which you see a lot of people doing as well. So you know, there's nothing. Um, I think you can be more optimal. You can be more efficient um, than doing a, you know. And when I when I see my clients and do stuff with, you know, train clients in a in a gym capacity, I never ever do cardio warm ups because I always think there's things that people can work on from a mobility standpoint. Personally, for me, you know, I, I don't see a lot of elite athletes, so I see a lot of regular Joes, and most of those people are going to benefit from some mobility stuff. So as a warm up, five ten minutes, we'll just do mobility drills. You can do loads of like lunging patterns with rotations. Um, you can do loads of um, uh, glute warm-ups, monster walks, and all these sorts of different things. Um, and it gets the heart rate up, and and it will work on your areas of weakness. That then, when you go into the lifts, you can you can be in a better position. If you're in a better position, you can lift more weight. And that's what I say to a lot of the guys: is look, if you can get uh, into a really good squat position, you're going to be able to lift more weight. You know, if we can get you, if we can improve your shoulder mobility and your and your elbow mobility, or your shoulder and uh, mainly shoulders really for front squats. If we can, get, you know, how many people you see doing front squats who can lift nothing because they're basically trying to do a shoulder press front squat, and suddenly right. if you get their shoulder mobility really good to the point where they can rack the bar properly, they can lift double the weight almost almost. Just overnight because basically they're using their legs now not using their yeah. upper body no, that's and such so, a good point I mean, even, actually, with, even with deadlifts i mean if someone can a lot of people can't drop their hips to a certain point mm. so they're basically doing a deadlift from a bent over row position absolutely. to get the bar moving and of course you're not going to be able to lift that much so they're so tight that their hips are always way above way higher yeah. than they should be if you can drop those in position like you said and it's comfortable you can really get a nice leg drive from there yeah Exactly. And you, so you lift more weight. And the same thing with, you know, I think with um, upper body stuff, if, you, if you've if you got good stability around your shoulders um, and good mobility, you, you will lift more weight. You will be stronger. And as I've seen it countless times that people get stronger purely by getting more mobile. Obviously, you need to lift as well. But it, it's amazing what flexibility and, and mobility does to people's strength. Now, Chris, now what's your opinion on, okay, we're talking a lot about recovery and and warm-ups and, and cool-downs mm. and all that during the training process. But what are your suggestions prior to training? Let's just say when you first wake up in the morning and prior to going to bed. So a lot of school of thought as far as what you should do when you first wake up or, you know, don't, don't stretch before bed or don't stretch when the muscles are cold. So, you know, what are your suggestions for morning routines and evening routines? Because I think as trainees get older 
and that body and, is getting older is not as young and resilient as before. You know, they have to take more care, as we've been talking about yeah. throughout this show right now. They have to take more care during the rehab process and the recovery process. And that doesn't just happen five minutes, 10 minutes before you start training and 10 minutes after yeah. that. What happens, you know, during that non-gym time? Like, what, what do you suggest? Yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously there's studies out there that show um, that, or some studies that show that kind of static stretching before performance is not is not optimal, so it's not as good. Um, I mean, I think that I I would propose someone to do stretching anytime they want that in if they've got mobility issues. So I don't think there's any reason why you can't do stretching before bed. I think I think stretching before bed is actually really good. Um, so actually spending time doing this so when you're before your workouts i think it is better to probably do a dynamic warm-up where you're dynamically stretching the muscles and you know just because you're doing dynamic stuff doesn't mean you're not going to elongate the muscles again a lot of the studies out there now will show that um uh, romanian deadlifts for example are, are just as effective over a 12-week period at increasing hamstring flexibility as doing a static hamstring stretching so that eccentric uh, component of training that we get we're actually going to be getting lengthening um, through the muscles and, and improving flexibility through training as well, which is why, and again, another reason why I love strength training. But I think that, um, yeah, evenings is much, it, it for me is a good time to static stretch. I think it's a good way to wind down in the evenings as well. So again, a lot of people have that stress during the day um, through, through uh, you know, stressful jobs. They're at desks all day. And I think that um, static stretching in the evening can be really helpful and beneficial for, you know, um, re- reducing the kind of adrenaline. Yeah, and maybe maybe stretch. people won't pull as many muscles while they're sleeping as well. You pulled a muscle when you were actually not supposed to be doing anything at all with your body. How does that <laughs> <Yeah>. work? <laughs> you rolled over in bed and now you're in pain. I mean, some it? people are so tight that, exactly. they, that they roll over in bed and that <laughs> probably does pull I a muscle. I pulled my back, man, yeah. while I was sleeping. Like, really? What were you doing while you were sleeping? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Shouldn't that be happening while you're awake? Okay. What happened is they, they took my recovery oil, which put them in such a deep sleep state that they were moving around like crazy from being in that REM state. <laughs> now it's all like Inception now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, so I, I, I don't think, I think with static stretching, I think if someone's going to, um, and, and again, it's just like, like anything with um, gaining mobility, you know, the more you do it, the better you get. You know, it's just, you know, if you want to, if you want to get stronger, then you need to be in the gym three, four times a week consistently. And if you want to get more flexible, then you need to be stretching, you know, uh, the same sort of time. So I think that you can have different phases of your training that concentrate on more on one thing. And I think the other thing is that you can often um, actually increasing what, you know, increasing anything is, it takes hard work, but then once you get there, you can maintain that with a, you know, a lot less. So a lot of my rehab clients, I'll say to them, look, you know, I'm getting you to do these exercises every day now, but long-term you might only have to do these once a week to maintain the kind of flexibility that you've got. You might, you can maintain it quite well. You know, hip mobility can be tech can, can be maintained quite well just by doing squats, you know, getting into that good deep position. But initially you might need to do the mobility exercises in order to get you there. Right. Now what about on off days? What about, let's say someone's training Monday, Wednesday, Friday, what should they be doing on days they're not training? Yeah. So I think again, perfect opportunity to do loads of foam, you know, foam rolling work, um, doing, um, again, if you've got any supplementary things that you need to be working on, um i think that you know core training i hate the words core training really annoys me but um you know you can add in some specific 
um, smaller muscle groups for that if you want to. Again, I think you get a lot of that, like you've mentioned before, with the big lifts. I think if you're doing the big lifts, then you really working on your soft tissue, working on on your nutrition in those days. Or I mean, you should be doing that every day. But um, and then on on you know st- strategies to help. Um, so you know, thinking about your stress, you know, relaxation techniques. Um, some people will do meditation, which I think can be really good. And again, I I don't really do meditation, but what I'll do is um, I'll just um, spend 10 minutes uh, before I go to bed where I just sit in a quiet room, no no electrics in the room or anything like that, and I'll just literally count my breathing. So I just have my hand on my stomach, on my belly button, and I just breathe in so and ba- out. So basically you're meditating. Yeah, I was just about to say, <laughs> yeah. believe, about, believe it or not, that's meditation. I think you have some uh, underlying issues here, Chris. <laughs> yeah, you, don't, don't you don't like the word core, you don't yeah, like, like meditation. meditation. <laughs> like, no, no, I, I, like, I like meditation. Do you like, I just, do you like yoga? Do you like yoga I just, chicks? I like yoga chicks. Hey, Chris, yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't meditate, but I go to a quiet room and I count my breaths and focus on being present. I've never been told what it is. Huh? <laughs> that's, all, that's all meditation all really meditation is. is, is being whatever whatatever being gets focused, you, man. yeah, whatever gets you in the present moment, moment and keeps yeah. you there, that's meditation. I don't care if you're washing dishes or wiping your butt. That's meditation, man. If that's what you're, fo- <laughs> if that's what you're focused on, that's what it is, man. <laughs> it's about being in the moment. <laughs> okay. oh, that is really helpful. Although I didn't know what, yeah, didn't know what I was doing. But and that explains yep. why why our friend Chris Reed is in the bathroom so often. But that's a different. Oh, he story. should be he should be <laughs> levitating by now. Okay. It's all meditation. That <laughs> makes sense. Say, he should be he should be on a higher <laughs> level than anyone. Him and Ken Blackburn should like be meditating at this point. If that's the, if that's their meditation, man. <laughs> Those guys are going to be putting some buffets out of business in Vegas in a <laughs> oh, few weeks. Oh God, in Vegas! <laughs> oh gosh, they're going to be in heaven, man. So, but that's going to be right. like Nirvana for them. Seriously. So, but it's interesting that you brought up meditation because I was going to ask you like. What other things did you suggest for recovery? Mike, you know, we both talk about different things that we use. Mike talks about going to the spa. We both are big proponents of massage. What do you feel about, you know, how do you feel about that as well as acupuncture and some other traditional Chinese medicine and things like that, you know, that nature? And even going to a chiropractor, you know, how do you feel about those things? I mean, there's a lot of um, contention about whether these things work, whether they are placebos, whether they're, you know, whether manual therapy and manipulation. And, and there's a lot of stuff out there now to say that, um, you know, we, we actually can't. There's no evidence to suggest we can be very specific about where we manipulate or there's all these sorts of different schools of thought. But I think that for me, a lot of these things do seem to help people. Um, and I think that um, if they help, then then that's great. I think that, that, um, that definitely, you know, I think getting the going to Cairo if you're if you're going to Cairo and getting things loosened off that you wouldn't necessarily do yourself then then I think that definitely and I think that uh, <laughs> all these all these kind of things are um, oh come on that that leaves room for some great jokes right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying that. See, the problem is a lot of guys are going to places to get some yeah, stuff I'm, hey I'm going to get a massage okay yeah. I'm going to get some things loosened yeah. up and get some I know. things off Sincere and, and I talked about the benefits of massage and this one guy emailed us he's like hey I, I took you guys up on your advice I found this great Asian massage place in town and he's like man those ladies really get in there I was like that's not the kind of massage we were talking about buddy <laughs> the fact that you really? got in there and you enjoyed it my man well hey, if that place I, like, I, don't, I don't even. Yeah, I don't even want you to elaborate on. They Please really don't. got in there. Me. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't try to bait me. I'm not going to ask. Got in where? I'm not going there. I'm not going to do it. Nope. Can't get me, brother. Sorry. Whatever you need to do to to release stress, that's, that's fine by me. <laughs> 
Oh, um, yeah, yeah no. So I, I think those things, those, all those things are, are good, and I think that, that um, all the relaxation techniques are really uh, useful and important as well. Um, and um, you know, and like you know, cat can be anything. So it can be doing anything that you you feel straight to bed, and they'll be quite flat. I think trying to do something that relaxes you again. This will be open to. Uh, interpretation however you want to put it but um if you do something to relax you before bed then i think that's a good idea so and some people that might point about tv because tv often people associate with relaxing but the way it's working with your brain is it's just it's firing up exciting excitement areas so that's why a lot of people are really tired they may they may even fall asleep while they're watching tv and then they get up to go to bed and they're wide awake yeah, I think I think that's good. But, you know, pe- people will have like they'll have a TV in their bedroom, that's then they'll have great. their phone by their by their head, then they'll have the laptop in the room, and they'll have, have the lights, right there. lights and, yeah, exactly. And all these kind of, you know, all those things I think are, are going to uh, definitely going to affect your sleep and not get not make you uh, be as restorative as possible. And I think, um, yeah, get and sleep as well is a huge thing. I think it's huge. Um, you know, I, I my previous job I was. Um, uh, I was kind of traveling down to London to work and it was um, I was getting up at about half four and getting there and then working and I was getting home at about nine at night so I, um, I, I've i now changed jobs and I'm getting so I'm getting kind of double probably the amount of sleep I was getting and I just it's um, it's unbelievable how much it affects your body when you're getting a much better quality sleep it's it, you know it makes a huge difference well having to wake up at 4 a.m that's just depressing no matter what <laughs> you know, no matter no matter where you are i mean come on yeah, yeah. waking up waking up and it's pitch black outside that's never a fun feeling yeah and getting home and pitch <laughs> black not like you're waking up not, it's like it's still dark isn't this the time i should be going to sleep so <laughs> just like totally yeah. stop there no i remember in college in oregon right in portland oregon i had a really early morning class so i had to get up around 5 a.m or so to get prepped for it and it would be pitch blackout rain raining miserable cold it looked like that planet in the movie aliens like, that's what that's what i woke up to each day you look out the window you're like man this is a nightmare right here oh man that is bad let's talk about some more of these injuries though let's say someone has an ankle injury mm-hmm. what can they do then so again with those sorts of people i'd say that straight away um like if you've sprained an ankle then um you want to get it taped or you want to get it supported because again with those sorts of ligament injuries um often you want the ligament to be in a mid-range position because it seems to heal quicker that way so i actually do think some stability around the ankle is 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 good is a good thing initially and then in terms of training um again obviously you can work your upper body um again obviously working on you know if you've got again i always think that injury is 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 almost um see it as a positive thing in the sense that you've got you've got time now to work on your weaknesses right you're injured so okay you may not be able to squat you may not be able to deadlift you may not be able to do uh, leg exercises on that side but you can still do upper body work and you can still do um, mobility work for the lower body around the hips and stuff if that's your area of weakness so think about it as more of a you know look on the positive side in the sense that okay i'm gonna i've got some time now where i'm not going to be lifting heavy uh, on the legs let's work on mobility of the legs let's work on that flexibility and i'll go heavy on my upper body right. you know go heavy on the upper body work on the, more of the mobility of the lower body and then the big thing with ankles as you as you rehab is working on what we call proprioception so working on all the the stabilizers again people will give out these you know exercises of balancing 
which I don't necessarily massive. I think in the very early stages, maybe, but you know, th- things like um, a, a single leg squat. So single leg, just sta- again standing up from the chair, single leg, and slowly on the way down for for ankles and rehabs are really good because you've got that instability factor. Um, and then also doing things like what we call clocks. So you imagine that you're standing on a, a clock face, and you're going to do like almost like a sing- uh, single leg squat just like a mini single leg squat and you're going to take the other leg so your good leg towards each point on the clock and then come back to the middle so it's like a single leg squat but you're taking the other leg out to those different positions around you you'll go to more pronated and it means the ankle's forced to move in these different ways that stabilize through there um, and that's a big thing again a lot of people have problems with pronation but a lot of problems with pronation or flat footedness is not necessarily the fact that you're you you're going into a pronated position because everyone should have pronation. We need pronation when we run, when we walk, but it's that people spend too long in pronation. So they have weakness in terms of coming out of pronation and actually doing things like that clock exercise, those single leg squats, um, things where you're on one leg um, and balancing and doing like a, an activity. Those sorts of things are great for ankles because it means that you you make someone go into those movements. And the only other thing I would say with ankles as well is, getting your dorsiflexion back as soon as possible so essentially if you think about standing towards a wall and doing like a calf stretch but a calf stretch with a with a bent knee so the front leg is the one being stretched mm-hmm. so that's a key component and again if you think about squatting you need that in order to to be able to get into a good squat position you need to have that knee coming forwards over the toe um and again biggest misconception with the ankles is that the knee shouldn't come over the toe it should and it does and don't worry about it if it does so at the end, that's a lot of th- people will tell you to, to not let the knee come over the toe, which I think is pretty much debunked now. So <laughs> right. Well, it still comes up in conversation. I mean, mm-hmm. anytime I put up a clip on my of, of Hindu squats with optimal technique, where not only are your knees going over your toes, I mean they're going way over, mm-hmm. but your center of mass is is lined up behind. So your yeah. your entire body weight is not over your knees. Yeah. And well, try and try an overhead squat without your knees coming forwards over your toes. I'm pretty sure you can't right. do it. So. Right. <laughs> As Hindu squats, a lot of people who do them correctly, you know, the way I show them on a YouTube clip, they often comment about how much better their knees feel afterwards. Mm. They're more stable, especially after having done them for several weeks, several months. Yeah. And in India, a lot of the high-level wrestlers there in Kerala, I mean, they do 500 as the entry level right. on Hindu squats, yeah. and they work up to thousands, and they don't yeah. have any issues and so forth. Yeah, no, I think definitely. So I think it's one of those exercises where whenever people have – whenever people do it and they go, oh, that caused this, it's usually because it was a technique error. They didn't do yeah, the exercise exactly. correctly or they tried to do too many too soon. They, exactly. they read an article somewhere and said, oh, I'm going to work up to 500 in a month. And it's like, no, nah, take your time. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I don't know where it came from, but it's definitely – yeah, if, you, if your knee's coming over your toes, don't worry about it. Very interesting. Well, that's, we're going to wrap up in a second, but just give us one more example of an injury – that's fairly common that you've helped people work around. Um, so I think anterior knee pain. So knee pain in the front of the knee is a oh, okay, huge common one. Um, and I think, again, there's a lot of really good evidence and really good stuff coming out now about how you really want to look at the foot and you want to look at the hip. So um, a lot of knee pain comes about not as, not as a result of um, anything massively that's going wrong at the knee i mean i would always look at your quad length so again simple way to do that lie on your front and see if you can bring your foot to your bum and if you can't get there 
um, fairly comfortably, then you you know you need to work on that flexibility of the of the quad. But the big thing is like the glutes. So glute med um, that stabilise the muscle of the hip is a big one. So again, a lot of runners and a lot of people in general um, will have this what we call the valgus knee collapse. So their knee will kind of fall mm. inwards when they're doing a squat or when right. they're doing yeah. legs. Right. A lot of that comes from the hip. Um, and so what happens is because we've got poor stabilisation around your hips and pelvis. The, the knee is kind of falling inwards and that's causing stress through that medial compartment of the knee and causing mm. stress under the kneecap as well. Um, so the big thing you can do there is, again is, is look at your hip uh, mobility, but also the hip strength is the biggest thing. So hip strength. And then again, if you do a little single leg squat in the mirror, how can you do that and control your knee and not let it dive in towards the middle um, and your hip on the opposite side? So if it's your right leg, that's the problem. Does your hip on the left drop as you um, as you come down into that single leg squat, which again suggests that your right glute muscles are weaker so that that's a big one with with anterior knee pain is this is the glutes so again things like monster walks things like side planks with um leg lifts like angel side planks um things where you're uh, specifically working the glutes and then you know things like hip thrusts weighted hip thrusts where you're actually working the glutes into that extension position um i think those sorts of things can really really help with knee pain um, and then obviously again the foot so we want to make sure that that foot is because obviously your foot is coming into contact with the floor first if your foot is going into that extreme pronation position that's going to drive your knee inwards as well so again if your hip you're working on your hip and it's getting strong and you're thinking these glutes are, are feeling you know that, that i'm getting much better with all the exercises i'm doing for that and it's still driving in then you need to be looking at the ankle um again the dorsiflexion so how much um m motion you've got coming forwards with the knee and also the pronation so whether it's falling inwards and then again that would be working on things like um you know and again with the ankle ones as well i really propose doing it with bare feet so bare, i love barefoot stuff for for warm-ups so get people in bare feet much as you can um work on that single leg stability work on doing things uh, in that position which work the feet uh, and works the glutes at the same time um and there's loads of exercises you can do to, to to do that like little things called sprinters where you're standing on one leg and you're doing like a again like a little mini knee bend and then bringing the opposite leg up towards your chest and then back down again so it looks like you're running essentially but you're balancing on that one leg the whole time and doing that in the mirror and trying to control that knee position so it doesn't dive in that's a great one and if you do that you actually if you do it correctly you'll actually really your foot's doing um and the other thing that you uh, sometimes again that you might need to look at as well is things like your uh, quad to ham ratio so just making sure that your your posterior chain so your hamstrings and your glutes making sure you're working on those because a lot of people will have predominantly um their quads will be be dominant over their hamstrings and glutes and again that's going to cause more pressure through the front of that that knee and into the kneecap area yeah, one one more thing because you just touched on that. Like, what's your mm. opinion on barefoot running and and also, you know, you, you know, Vibram a few months ago kind of caught heat yeah. where you know yeah. I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was the FTC or whoever tried to say that they had like false advertising about their running, the people's running like technique and everything else improved yeah. by using those or running yeah. barefoot compared to wearing sneakers. Which to me is all about the money because who makes more money? The sneaker corporations out there far more yeah. than Vibram. You know, if that's the case, then yeah. why are these big corporate sneaker companies now using Vibram soles on a lot of their sneakers? now but anyhow you know what's yeah. your opinion on on barefoot running and pretty much like i said and also using like those very minimal type sneakers yeah i think that um 
the the thing not to do is to get them um, having not done any training and then just go out and run the same amount of distance. I've, I know loads of people who've gone, I usually run eight miles. So, and then they, they buy some Vibrams and they go out for a run the first time and they run eight miles. And it's right. like, your <laughs> calves are just like blowing up and you know, you're like they're on fire. And I'm just like, well, of course they are. Like, what are you, I mean, what are you talking about? Because obviously it's a new stimulus. It's a, you are, you are going to probably um, heel strike less with um, uh, those with Vibrams and with barefoot running type styles, which means that you're going to be using your calves a lot more mm-hmm. um, and, and therefore you need to train up to that. I think that getting getting the foot to work more is a good thing uh, in, in most of the time, but I think you need to build up to it. So, you know, if you want to do that, fine, but just build up slowly um, and make sure your volumes, it doesn't go too quick and then do some, or, and potentially you could do some strengthening exercises in bare feet before you then go into that in order to kind of, um, make you more conditioned to that. Cause you just, again, it's, it's a, um, a lot of injuries I think come from a, a lack of ability to tolerate load. So what we're doing with the gradual increase is just giving the foot and the calf and the, the system as a whole, the ability to slowly adapt and develop develop and be able to tolerate increasing load as you go forwards basically so I, yeah i'm a, a big fan of it but i think you can you can go too quick with it um and the other thing is obviously you know some people some people um depending on their uh, conditions and stuff may need some support so again it's like the orthotics thing a lot of people are sort yeah. of saying oh orthotics you should never use them because you want the foot to really work and i think yeah you do but some people may need some support in the early stages that doesn't mean you 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 put them in an orthotic or you put them in a shoe with a support and you never try and get them out of that but it just means that for that current point in time they may need some support uh, um, in order to reduce knee pain and then work on their strength around the foot work on uh, building up the, the the volume really slowly and then they'll be fine and the other thing is i think um it's more for me about running style so um mm-hmm. basically if you have vibrams or if you have normal shoes if you strike the floor in front of you with your not even doesn't even matter if it's heel or not if you're striking the floor so your center of gravity is behind that that strike right. you're going to be basically you have to decelerate so you're decelerating decelerating yourself before then pushing off and so that's the big thing i think is looking at um your um how hard you're striking the floor so your vertical um so how how high you're going off the floor and how much noise you're making the simple things i think most people can do try and land with your foot underneath you rather than in front of you when you run and try and um uh land lighter so just think lightness on your feet land underneath you getting a good hip extension so the hips coming so the legs coming behind you as as you're running and if you think about those three things I, th- I don't think it massively matters if you are even having a bit of heel strike because i think the main thing is to reduce those forces and you do that through the landing on underneath you uh, and landing with light feet yeah it's like a few of the techniques that just came for me from just from track i teach a lot of my clients is like to visualize you know, running on the cloud, but if you're going to sit there and visualize that you're running on the ground or the floor, try to pull it behind you. So you can't really pull it behind you with your feet out in front of you. So try to keep your feet, try to keep your feet under your center of mass as you're, as you're striking the ground and then pull that from under you, you know, try to just Mm. go from there. And at the same time, 
and don't speed skate when you run. Meaning, don't swivel left and right with your arms crossing over, you know, your sternum the entire time, you know, like that. I'm like, you know, let the hands relax and just pretend like yeah. you're holding a hammer, but don't squeeze it like you're holding a hammer. And I think a lot of times that's what ends up happening with a lot of people with bad technique. They swivel left and right while they're running. And what that's doing is taking them out of alignment every time they strike. So they're not really yeah. striking that foot where it should. It's, they're kind of hitting the inside of the foot or the outside of the foot even harder than they probably already would have been doing anyway. And that's just pretty yeah. much jacking up their ankles. Then it, then it's just this Z pattern effect. Then the knees getting yeah. jacked up. Then the hips jacked up. The lower back jacked up. Shoulders, headache, migraines. <laughs> I hate sprinting. Okay, that's what, it, that's what it ends up being. <laughs> you know, I don't like to run. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I totally agree. I think that's a, a good point. Awesome. Well, hey, man, it's been awesome having you on, Chris. Where can people find out more information about you? Um, best place to go really is uh, my website, which is um, www.strengthphysio.com. Um, so yeah, pretty much all my stuff's on there. I'm on Twitter, which is at Chris Lendron One, um, and on Facebook as well, which is Strength Physio. So one of those three places, that's where I, I mainly am. So just go over to there and, and have a look. Perfect. Perfect, man. Thanks again for coming on. Great information. No problem at all. Thank you very much for having me. Right, thanks a lot. Take care. Really good information, so don't listen to an episode like this and, and then say, oh, that's a great, great idea there and never incorporate anything. You know, The whole point that we, of us doing the show and getting out great information is that we want people to actually integrate some of the stuff we're talking about here or a right. lot of the stuff we're talking about here, especially those of you that are not buying anything from us. At least integrate the free information. <laughs> so, so that, so at that least buy a pen and paper and write down some notes. Man, yeah, exactly. So at least you're reciprocating. Your so at least, at least we know, oh, you know what? We're helping some people out there. They may not be spending any money and helping us out, but at least we're helping them out. You know? So <laughs> at least do that. Now, if you want to take it to the next step and do more to keep the great episodes coming, Use coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements. The best testosterone booster by far, the best recovery supplements, great videos, great t-shirts, ebooks. Use that coupon code to get 10% off just about everything that's on my website. And how about with you, man? Same deal, man. When you go to newwarriortraining.com, use that same coupon code to check out. LLA, you'll get 10% off all my products over there as well, whether it's the physical digital copy of my bodyweight training DVD, which incorporates a lot of good stuff as far as warm up and cool down too, before and after all the exercises that you learn on the DVD. So when we're talking about recovery, there's a lot of good recovery style training going on on that DVD. So you want to check that out. Also, you can get 10% off my weight management 101 course, as well as a digital copy of the wellness code book. And also you want to get a great cup of coffee. You want to get a better tasting cup of coffee. Then you can also use that same coupon code and apply that to my Costa Rican Churria doors, man. And finally getting some more in stock down to the last few right here, but Hey, just in time. But that's the thing about when you're working with the folks in Costa Rica, man, they, like I said, they're, they're all about pleasing you. They never want to say no. They never want to say like, it was going to take a while. It's like, it's coming. <laughs> so it's the thing about it. And these are handmade. So it's not like they're in a factory sitting on a shelf and then, you know, they're all in bulk or anything like getting just shipping right out to me. These dudes are making them by hand. And, you know, he's making it in the backyard of his of his farm in his souvenir shop. And so he's pretty much got to go in and do all this hand crafting. And it takes a little bit of time. So finally, things are on their way. For those of you who are asking about the the taller ones, the 11 inch your doors, I still have a few now. So Get those while you can. You can be the last ones to get that before the next batch gets in. Just use that same coupon code, LLA, and they'll get you 10% off. You get hooked up. All right. Thanks, folks. We'll see you next time. All right. Take it easy. 